Hey, this is Deliciously Right On. Please go check out St. Royce on SoundCloud. It's my best friend, Colin. He makes all the music for our show. Okay, here's one. Okay. You have your own late night talk show. Ooh. You invite as your first guest, Dead Only. Dead Only? Oh. Yes. Okay. Um, Alex, you go first. First guest will be Freddie Mercury, and he's going to open the show up with a number and then an interview. Nice. And Ooh. we're going to talk about his history, his sexual history, and how he about writing. Yeah, how I feel about writing some music. I love Queen. Nice. Yeah. Um, Who's dead asses on your show? <laughs> Anna Nicole Smith, because that bitch was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Keith. She could have been a great comedy legend. Like you I know, s- it's very sad. I was asking her, like, first of all, why he not got into comedy yet? Also, I think it's because she got into comedy by accident. <laughs> was she in Scary Movie Three? No, she no. was dead in two thousand seven. <laughs> Um, let's see. She had a reality show on E Network. Yes, the Internet Network Smith was show. as big as it is. Yeah. Cool. She was a Playboy and model. She was a she sugar had a baby. Husband that was old. Her, she was a model for Guest Dreams, I think. Was she like on the thicker side? She was thick blonde yeah, yeah. bombshell. <laughs> yeah. She was a thick blonde bombshell. She was a the Kentucky Derby is the reason she has a child. <laughs> True. Actually, her second child. He from Louisville. Like, she repping Louisville, technically. <laughs> her first son <laughs> died. But I just want to talk to her and be like, yeah. girl, how does it feel just being like you? Like, just tell me about the crazy stories you've done. Tell me about being a stripper. I just want to know about her life. Like, she was like, well, I think she was from a trailer park. Yeah. Like, she's the true American dream, technically, because if you were an American and you're successful, you probably die. True. Uh, Angie, who's on your show? Who did? I would say... Um, I feel there's like... a multitude of people in my life that have died that I liked it so long. Let's see, I maybe um Aaliyah because I feel like I I liked her for a very long time, and her death was pretty shocking to me yeah. personally. She was only 22, and I just wanted to be like, girl, why you marry our Kelly? <laughs> 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 I'm like, was that your choice? <laughs> Not, you all right? I thought you were going to say Selena just so you can be like, girl, how do you get this great fashion? Also, can I don't you think help I could me? handle it. That'd just be too much. Like, I feel like Aaliyah was chill and like I could handle it, but Selena, I'd just be crying <laughs> and be like, I will go to the prison and kill Yolanda for both of us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, R. Kelly, let's put this show into ignition. I'm your host, Alex Dyke. With me today, Angela Tortellini <laughs> and Taylor Ryan Moore. <laughs> This is Deliciously Right On. Wowza. Wow. Is R. Kelly Kelly still canceled? Um, He will never come back. He's dead, canceled, on a floppy disk. Thrown into the ocean, tied with a concrete block. I feel like R. Kelly's been canceled since that Boondocks episode, The Trial of Robert <laughs> Kelly. 
And no, it's like he was lightly canceled and like we were aware. Like I feel like when stuff happens before it's time, it's like we put on, but we ain't fully there. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> the black community was still like balls deep in like support. And I feel yeah. like we're pulling our balls out as we should have, you know, long ago. And I mean, I feel like people are still like, but yes, I believe I can fly. But I'm like, he can't even read. It don't matter. He can't I think even R. Kelly is not even invited to the barbecue, but he still finds out about it. Yeah, he he's the up. uncle that nobody invited that shows up and takes a plate home and don't talk to the grandma. You know what I'm saying? R. Kelly's yeah. the one at the barbecue who sings happy birthday to the cousins, but tries to show up because he's in the church choir. And it's like, R. Kelly, shut up. You're yeah. the alcoholic of the group. This is an intervention, not a birthday party. Fiesta, fiesta. <laughs> well... Uh, um, I wanted to talk about some things today, and the theme of our episode will become clear in a second. But I wanted to mainly talk, start us off with talking about the Oscars, and there's been a lot of like controversy with this new category that they want to put in place. They actually just pulled it, but it was going to be um, biggest popular film. Is that right? Best, so best popular. The popular film of the year. Yeah. So they. Like the theories are that they created that for Black Panther because so many people had been tweeting and talking about how Black Panther needs to be put up for awards, and I think that that scared the white men on the Academy, who, voting board. Yeah, who were like, well, you know, it's not really what we typically go for, but we don't want them to think we're racist. And like, well, high key, you are being racist by <laughs> even talking about this. I don't know. We're, it's all speculation in my my end, but I have a strong suspicion that's what was going on. I mean, is that how you guys feel? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to think of the last time a really big budget film. Okay, let's talk. Let's go back to a 2011 Oscars hosted by Anne Hathaway and uh, James Franco. All right, a classic. Show. But however, that award season was uh, Social Network, Inception, mm. uh, The King's Speech, all that kind of jazz. Toy but Story Incep- Three. Yes. Okay. Here we are. Same page. All right. So yeah. 2011. Here we are at the Oscars, and Inception's got a lot of awards for like. It's a good the, movie theater. Yes. Uh, digital effects and such. I think that's what most of the awards were for. But Inception was a big budget movie, wasn't it? Christopher Nolan movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what's the difference of like the caliber of that versus the caliber of Black Panther? Like Black Panther, I think you know is obviously more important just for like the representation for the African American community. But mm-hmm. like, as far as the big scale, I'd say it's about equal. Now, Inception was also that I think that was the first year that they changed the awards to like the best picture was like ten, ten nominees maybe. I yeah. might be wrong, but it was like they had just expanded it to a lot more movies. So I don't see what the difference of Inception versus Black Panther is as far as caliber and putting it into movies that are also possibly small. So, like, the fact that they were like, we got to make a whole nother thing because it's on a whole nother level is just kind of malarkey. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think I've just been a fan of the Oscars since forever. I always like watching the yeah. award shows, watching the movies, and I sort of get the whole best popular film thing, but I feel like Black Panther would have still been nominated for best picture regardless because Get Out was one of those movies that they campaigned for, which was like, this is representation we need in this genre, and it got yeah. like a bunch of nominations. So it would have gotten nominated either way. Yeah. yeah. But, like, then you people would make the same argument for, well, how come The Avengers wasn't nominated? How come every other superhero movie wasn't nominated? I don't yeah. know. It was a super category to begin with. Right. I think it's like Black Panther was more, like, character-centric versus a plot. Like, I feel like The Avengers Infinity War 
is just hella plot. The, all of those characters brought together for one thing. That's what it, the driving force is. And in Black Panther, it's just like, T'Challa. T'Challa. No, yeah. yeah I, I agree with you, Taylor. I think that, like, I get what they were trying to do because there's been years in the past where it's like, I feel like they never pick, like, science fiction movies or, like, like Mad Max Fury Road was one of those movies that I was like, this is so good, and there's so many women in it, and it's, yeah. like, it's, like... It was nominated, a, wasn't it? Yeah, it was it, nominated it, for it was, one, all, like, the technical awards. Yeah, but I think it should have taken it that year for, like, best film, I think. I don't remember what else came out that year right now, but I remember being upset about that, and there's in other cases, like, you know, Star Wars historically doesn't really win anything except for, like, sound sound effects and and uh score and whatnot awards. yeah so it's like yeah they definitely need to shake things up because it it would be fine if they kept everything under one umbrella of best picture in general but they kind of seem to pick the same types of movies like historic white films like a lot of times um or if it's black is involving pain yes involving some kind of slavery or punishment suffering Yes. And there's never really a black movie where the black people or brown people are not suffering about something because apparently that's the only story we can tell for Hollywood I mean, to be like, this is good. It is true. Generally, if you're brown, you're suffering somehow. Yeah. So it's like, that's the story that wants to be told because it's just easy, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like we're coming out of that. Like, there's more African American creatives, more Asian creatives, Hispanic creatives. And it's, it's good. Like, Coco came out, swept up. Yeah. The awards, so, they're sorry to bother you. That's just fucking weird ass movie and wild, and that's yeah. good. Like I think, I think we're on the rise of a new renaissance. Yeah, I think that Black Panther is really important for this specifically because, like you guys are saying, the message of the movie is still about that suffering, but it's about bringing happiness and like wealth to the people who are suffering and fixing yeah. things. So that's like really important, and this would be a huge gesture for it to win. But now with all this hubbub, I kind of feel like. Uh, people are going to be like, oh, well, they only won because of the drama or some, something dumb. You know, all these racist people will come out of the woodwork yeah. like talking shit about Black Panther. These negros think they can make movies. Well, the racist people are going to talk about everything that's brown being bad because they're stupid. So, <laughs> like, that always yeah. happens. Like, don't you have to go fuck your cousin? <laughs> exactly. It's just like, don't you have to, you know, wear a sheet and just talk bad <laughs> shit? Like, sheet and shit. Like, honestly, I don't know. Speaking of being black. Yeah. <laughs> What's on your mind, son? Oh, you know, being black. I don't know. It feels weird being black at a, like, predominantly white institute because it's, like, I'm sort of used to, like, wow, we just went off topic. But, like, I sort of get the... It's not f- off topic. It's really... You're leading the same. But, like, I sort of feel like, I don't know, I noticed it this year more that, like, I'm the only black male of color in all of, like, my classes, yeah. So it's like just in every class you have? Like all four classes I'm in, there's like up to one to three black people. Like my journalism class, there's two of us. My my magazine class, there's one of us. There's like a lot, like I'm the only one there. So it's sort of hard to like get my voice and like my story out there that I want to tell. And like I'm used to it in high school, but it's just different. I don't know. I feel like we're not like fully diverse. I feel like to be fully diverse, you have to have more than just black and white and sprinkles of his like latino i think like new york is probably the most one of the most diverse areas in the whole country as far as yeah. blending cultures so i feel like indiana southern indiana it's just about like lots like half black half white and then like you're 
Latinos are sprinkled throughout. They have their own communities. Mm -hmm. But, like, school-wise, you never really felt alone, even if you were singled out sometimes, because there was somebody eventually you could talk to about your emotions. No, yeah, yeah. and, like, I, like, work at a place where I'm. it's predominantly black. Like, all the kids are black. Majority of the staff is black. So I feel people who understand, like, I need to be around my people because it's I'm used to it. It's comforting. I feel like it's, like it's a safe space for me to be like, hey, I can relate. Like, we're all black. We all share the same similar experience. Like, it's just stupid. I don't know. But that's just, that's just college, though. I sort of expected that going in that I was just going to be the only little black kid. But I think now me noticing that like, I'm the black kid is different than how I was in high school because in high school it was like I didn't understand for real until I was like a junior in high school and I was like, oh, wow. Shit's not gonna be easy for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just recently told me a story about your like own marching team. Like, it was just, that was so stupid. Basically, like just, yeah. Go ahead. Basically, like if for people who know me, you know what it is. But like, um, it was senior. It was senior night of marching band, and it's like one of the big nights. You know, everyone's practicing. Um, it's a big game. We walk down with our parents. You tell your senior story. You do all this fun stuff. And normally your section gets you a gift for your senior section because you're a senior. And so it was the end of the night. We're all tired. And, like, I told my story, what memory it was. I think it was getting a black eye and marching band and hanging out with my friends. I totally forgot what it was. But um, at the end of my story, everyone was clapping. Um, the, these two other, these two boys in, like, my section of saxophones ran up on stage. Not stage, but, like, ran up to the front and handed me a backpack. And in the backpack was a watermelon and packets of grape Kool-Aid. And, like, I'm standing there fully embarrassed. Like, I'm just going to be known as the black kid, right? Like, that's all I'm going to be known as. And, like, my yeah. mom was there. All the band kids were there. The director was there. And I'm just standing there embarrassed. My mom was visibly pissed. I was just beyond embarrassed. And yeah, I understood, like, what, like, why I was mad. What reaction are you supposed to have to that? I mean, like, because I can't be angry because the angry black yeah. man's just the trope that they're going to use on you. But, yeah. like... I just sit there. And then what's fucked up is that I knew that that was going to happen, but I thought they, they were just going to stop it because the people would have been like, oh, that's racist. They're like, yeah, so are you okay with them giving you this gift? And I was like, no, like not really. Like I don't want it. Like that's pretty stupid. He goes, yeah, we told them it was stupid, but we just wanted to make sure if it was okay with you if they did. And I was like, could you not make the conscious decision to be like, don't give that to Taylor? Yeah. It was just stupid. So – Plenty of racist shit has happened in high school, and it's just like, what do you do? I don't know. I mean, it's I've been noticing a lot of differences in um, my environment because I work across the bridge now. I don't work in Indiana. I work in Louisville now, and I work at a restaurant where it's right. It's in, like, a high-traffic area. Like, there's close to a school. It's close to a hospital and, then like, hotels. All You see all kinds of people, and... I just see so much more diversity where I work now and no one thinks twice about it. Like no one is talking about it. You know what I mean? And it's nice because it doesn't just, it just go, you know, white and black. Like all of the gay people that come in, they like feel safe. And I've heard multiple guests like t tell us they feel safe in our restaurant because there are a lot of gay people on the staff and yeah. non-binary people and, transgender people it's really really nice i'm really happy with my environment it's like completely changing the way i feel about my life because i'm not i don't know i just i don't know why it made such a big difference to me but it does it's really cool 
Because if it's like over here, you just think that it's normal and you, quote, get used to it, even though you shouldn't. It's just, it's so common, like, you're numb to it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's people that like be minding their business and just like do the whole thing as just going inside to eat and like <clears throat> sit down and eat. And I say, wow, there's a lot of uh, brown in here. Yeah. Well, I've been also noticing a few things that I don't like because like sometimes one of my managers will just play like a lot of like acoustic ambient kind of music. So it kind of fits the theme of a chicken restaurant, I guess. It's like a country style in a way. But American. whenever that happens, I almost feel like. 90% of our black guests get their food to go. And then on like some certain days when other manager works, we play like a 90s R&B and hip hop playlist and everyone is stays. And it's not like that is like a for sure scientific fact, but like I've just noticed a correlation with them feeling safer, I think, in a place that yeah. that they are more comfortable with and can relate to. And I think little things like that make a big difference. Like I didn't think about that before, but um, you had brought this up to me, Angie, at one day. I went to the Silver Dollar, and, like, everything in there is, like, rustic, like, ain't, like wood grain <laughs> stuff. Like, it looks like a white, like, farm restaurant or whatever, and they play old country white singers the whole time you're there. Like, and I'm just like, I don't, I do not like this. I don't feel comfortable. And that's what, it was one of my favorite restaurants, and I really do still love it. It's nothing against them, really. It's just, like, conscious decisions like that, like, you can't just play only old country music because that those people, a lot of the times, we're going to be tending to be racist or just problematic in general. And, like, I don't know. That's yeah. a lot of mixed feelings about this. I don't know. Like, I get it, but at the same time, it's if you just have a multitude of options for everybody. It's like, that's the thing. If you have a playlist that you're playing at your establishment that has stuff to reach everybody and not just one audience then everybody will feel welcome and everybody will want to come in and spend money there. It is a <laughs> yeah. apparently wild concept to just not play what you th- think you should have. Like, I get, like, the classic easy listening from the 80s and, like, area music. That's good, too. But if you put on something that just low-key sounds like you're having a soul train party, like, yeah. everybody's going to be in their crunk because, believe it or not, R&B is uh, well-liked among every band of people. White, yeah. black, Asian, Latino. We all, it's everybody, man. Who's yeah. going to say no to some Usher? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Truthfully, I don't know. Being Being black in the Midwest is sort of like... It's different because, like, you'll see, like, other black comedians and black, like, artists, but they're black in, like, a different sort of sense. They're like, I'm black from California, you know? It's like, I'm black from New York. It's like, well, I'm black from Indiana. So, like, what does that consider me? Who's repping me? Michael Jackson don't count no more. He he was too north, and he got out before, like, he even had to say he was from Indiana. You know what I'm saying? If, if you ain't here for at least 20 years, you ain't even really from here. So it's like, yeah, but also, nah, like, all the Jacksons, they... Nah, they they California, they Hollywood, you know. There's but, Hollywood. <laughs> what I've noticed lately in my life is microaggressions more than anything. Mm. Um, and I've had to end, honestly, a lot of friendships because people don't understand that just because you're not straight up calling me the N-word to my face or saying I hate anybody that's not white people, that doesn't make you not racist or your actions... And the things you say, if you say stuff like, if you see a black person walking down a street with a backpack and you say something like, he probably stole something, that's racist. If you didn't know, uh, that's 
real and say you're just kidding. Nope, you're not kidding. You wouldn't have had the um somehow just ultimate need to say that out loud to think it if you didn't have a, an extreme bias to think uh, that you seeing a person that is white doing the exact same thing and not say anything like mm-hmm. no and especially with me i grew up um i think sadly privileged with um lighter skin so i didn't have to hear it as much as probably people with darker skin and which is stupid First yeah. of all, okay, so people honestly would think that I was biracial, and I'm just like, no, I'm not. And it's just like to think that they'd say something like, I think you're mixed because your skin is lighter. That just means in order to give you a compliment of being kind, I had to think you were mixed with something. Nope, that's a microaggression. Secondly, mm-hmm. I um, have short blonde hair. Uh, obviously, I go to, uh, I don't, I wasn't born with this. <laughs> I style it this way. Whatever. I didn't think that was that, it was that crazy because, you know, people dye their hair blonde all the time. But apparently, my skin's brown and I have blonde hair and that is just wild. Apparently. And That's so I hear from just multiple strangers in my life, me minding my business, people saying things like, God, your hair's so cool. I just love it. Look at that hair. I wish I had hair like that. That is not um, a compliment. If, unless, if I'm just literally living and obviously there's nothing to me besides me existing and you have to say something that means you find my normative life that I think is a normative you see it as another so you feel compelled to make a statement unrelated to anything that I'm doing because usually I'm just working picking up a pastry selling a cup of coffee something that's what I do Mm -hmm. and people are just like I have to talk about your hair because it is fucking wild (laughs) as generally um, like, I, I can see people that mean well, like, usually just, like, yeah. older, nice, white ladies, they're just like, your hair is just so beautiful. It's so unique, or something like that. Yeah, like, and, like, I get it, but also, no, you, probably, <laughs> you might not have known that, but just, shh. And then, just, sometimes if it's just an older white male, then it usually feels more aggressive, and I don't like it more, and it's just, Stop. Why? <laughs> Literally, this man that looked like he came out of the ground from the Michael Jackson Thriller video said this with like a walking stick, and he was like, "I wish I had ever like that." And I was like, "Um, sir, I'm pretty sure you've burned a cross in your life, so please don't talk to me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here we are. It wasn't on microaggressions. Don't do that shit. <laughs> I don't know. What's also weird is that going to high school, like going to school, period, and you see the other black kids, it sort of feels weird because it's like, I know for me, it was. It's just weird because I was like, I don't really, I never really had like black friends. I only had like the white kids and I never understood yeah. why. And then I looked and it's like, I don't like the way they're acting. It's like, oh, they're too ghetto, blah, blah, blah. But then when I got older, it was like, I don't really think it was them being ghetto. I think it was just me being like, I don't want to see this. It's just it's weird. the divisiveness within our own community that we have. Because if you yeah. aren't one certain way, then you think that you're also another. Like there's... In our own community, the divisiveness, even though we're still all, at the end of the day, came on the same ship. (coughs) And then, you know, it's also like the the tactic, like colorism is a tactic from slave owners. If you're light-skinned, you worked inside the house, and if you're dark-skinned, you were out in the field. That's the set-up divisiveness that was created that just kind of has still not gone away, really. Mm -hmm. And, like, the divisiveness that I saw in high school was, like, you either acted like the white folks or you acted like... 
you overacted like your race. So it's like you'd always have like these like, kids who acted like quote unquote ghetto or quote unquote hood to act mm-hmm. different from their white peers, or versus you have like the black kids who never wanted to be considered black and would do things non that yep. like, white folks would do. Case in point, there were a lot of black kids in marching men who didn't wear lotion. And it's like not saying it's a <laughs> Not <laughs> saying it's a black thing, but white my white friend says I don't really put on lotion, and black is like, oh yeah, I don't put on lotion either. It's like, yeah, but like, there's some privileges that we all don't have, you know. Like, come on, like come on, Marquise, that you look dusty as hell. Put some fucking lotion on them goddamn ankles. But that's one thing. And I had like friends, like I had two other black friends, right? But they never wanted to be considered black. They'd always want to be considered like some weird exotic race. Like I want to be Hawaiian or I look Samoan. It's like, oh, I'm like from Haiti. So I'm like exotic black. It's like, nigga, you both are fucking black. You're blacker than black. You're blacker than black and you're black, y'all. Like, yeah, you're full. I've seen your parents. You're black as hell. Yeah. And that's still like, it's to be accepted because in our area, which is still not, you know, the the rural South, but you know, yeah. it's still not, uh, you know, that good. But at the same time, it's just to be accepted because you're gonna have to interact with white children, and so yeah, it's, it's either be bullied or um, put yourself down. And I didn't realize I used to do that hardcore until. I don't even know. Recently that I noticed that I did that, and it's just like, wow, that's sad. I should have uh, loved myself and not put up with that, but it's literally just a survival tactic that you have to do. Yeah, like, I would, I consider myself, like, the fucking coonies to coons until, like, junior year of high school, when my friend was like, you realize it's okay to be different, blah, blah, blah. It's, like, fine to be black, and I was like, thank you, and now we're best friends forever, but that's beside the point. But I would always be like, oh, yeah, I'm not, like, one of those ghetto black kids, and I was like, Taylor, shut the fuck up, okay? You're and black as it's, hell. It's it's fine if if you stopped it, that's good. Cause I mean, I still be seen and I see the coonery still. It's rampant. I and, mm. yeah. I like deadass. I stopped all that coonery bullshit. Cause I was like, dude, like it shit's rough out here being black. And it's not like rough, rough, or it's like your life is hard. It's rough as in like you, the people you think are gonna be down with you are never gonna be down with you. Yeah. Like, especially when it came to, like, dating. Like, girls didn't want to be seen with, like, a black guy. They wanted to be it's seen as exotic and cool, but it's like, they're not going to take you home to their parents. Like, you're never going to be their first really choice until they fetishize it. You're interested in what? I'm interested in hearing about, like, your all's feelings dating? about dating if you're going through school <laughs> and stuff. Like, now, let me just pull biracial up a stuff. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, it's I, weird. There's... In this moment, I suggest to listen to the podcast Why Won't You Date Me by Nicole Byer because yes. her entire podcast is literally my exact life. Like, I don't even <laughs> need to create my own because we are the same person, even though we grew up in different areas. She grew up uh, on the East Coast. I'm here. We have the same experience being a black woman that uh, don't take no shit and is fat and has opinions and also is considered uh, comical we don't get dates statistically in general and just by living nope mm. not wanted and you can listen to her talk cause I don't even have to that's my spiel uh yeah 
there's always those two type of white girls you meet that are like, I like those. Little, I date black guys, and I'm down with the cause. White girls, the down with the cause girls are just like, no, the down with the cause white girls are like Alex, but a girl. They're like, I understand your pain, your struggles, but I like you for you. It doesn't matter that you're black, and I'm down for whatever cause you want to fight. Versus, my name's my name's Emily, and I love black men so much, like my African kings. Like I can't wait to have me mixed babies. Those are those type of girls that like do black dudes in the Midwest go after because they're mm. easy because yeah. they'll, they'll give you that false hi- they give you that false hype up of like hey you know yeah. I think you're hot but it's only because you're black as you get to produce those mixed caramel babies and that's like disgusting yeah. I'm not trying to be some, some someone's fetish I'm not trying to be someone's weird I mean, sort of prize it's a little problematic but I'm glad they're there right like they're doing a service for people it, everyone you know gets what they want out of that <laughs> whoever likes the everyone likes each other yeah because like right? i mean even as problematic <laughs> as those women are they're still the dudes that go after them so they have yeah, each other they right. have a, they have a demographic so yeah. what i'm saying it, it just works out <laughs> <laughs> it's black dudes and frumpy looking white women but that's beside the point <laughs> like do you honestly think we're gonna get the interracial couple of the century jamie fox and katie holmes you know how long i've been ready to see that I've been ready to see a suburban white woman take on a black man. Like, I've been waiting. Fuck how you can seal. Well, they broke up, so obviously it didn't work. I don't think it was racially. I think it's just, you know, fame and, and stuff. And not like an Idris Elba dude. Because like, that, that would still be weird. And then if, like, you're black, like, you're just, like, only levels of black that people find you deemably acceptable, especially for a black man. It's like, if you don't look like light skin, six foot four, play a sport, or, like, whatever, and it's just like, they're just like, well, fuck you. It doesn't really matter. Like, I would tell my friends, it's like, I'm the ugly friend of the group because I don't get hit on in public, but that's mainly because I hang out with a bunch of white people and I'm not going to get hit on because I'm the black kid. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's, it's shitty, but it's like... It sucks. Dating in general is just the worst yeah. in every level. It is all awful. It so is. it's like, technically, it's like half not our fault just because nobody knows what they're doing. Any race, all of, everybody's just having issues. Like, nope, it's not good. Finding people's bad. Just why can't we all be alone, but we can't because of the natural desire to produce. It's it's awful. Why can't we just be dogs? You know what I'm saying? I think if uh, a good TV episode that talks about sort of the like colorism and like shit and dating, um, Gronish. Oh, I meant Gronish. Gronish has a good episode with Mm -hmm. um, they all they do is talk about like the disparity of being like black and whatnot, and it's just like and trying to date, and it's like shitty, but like the shit's real. Yeah. yeah. Finger snaps to that and the writers. I think anyone that's listening to this episode and has not seen Get Out, they need to definitely watch that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. like that's like this whole episode one-on-one. Like, <laughs> For sure. And like, personal note, the reason why Get Out was like my favorite movie was because I finally found a black character I fucking related to yes. in him and it's just like that's how I feel my mom's like you could end up like that character. It's like, no shit, mom. Like, if I stayed <laughs> in Indiana, I would've just, that'd be me. I, yeah. High key. So I was just, like, relatable that a guy like me who, like, is open to dating an interracial relationship, and it's, like, that's pretty cool. Like, it was just interesting to see me in a scary movie, but, like, me in film. Like, the first time yeah. I felt that. Other time I felt that was also watching Dope, which Dope was just also a relatable yes. movie. But, I, yes. Yeah. I also related to the main character in Get Out, though, but for the opposite effect, like... Because in any other movie, it would be like, I don't relate to the black guy because they're playing him up to be like a crazy black guy. Like, yeah. they're playing him up to be a black guy, but in Get Out, he's That's just true. a guy. Yeah. And he is a character. And then 
he's a character first and he's black second. Right. Which is so. what they need to do when it comes to writing movie characters yeah. and representation and time the only way to, to do movies. that correctly is to have people of color as writers for people of color <laughs> yeah. exactly or, people, or writing uh, writing movies about the lgbtq community via lgbtq people like i like the movie love simon but that whole book is written by a straight white woman and it's like mm. i see what she was trying to do but like at the same time she created a whole like lore based on something that she's not at all and like right yeah. i don't know movies about like certain like marginalized experiences needs to be written by people in those marginalized experiences because it doesn't sound as authentic barry jenkins directing moonlight makes sense because yeah. that's mm-hmm. it's a black queer man directing a black queer film yeah, yeah. I don't know. It, it. I don't know. Like Black Panther, a black superhero, like and trying to deal with the fame of being a black superhero and being the man of his people is perfect. Being directed by Ryan Coogler, who's like the next big director in Hollywood. Yeah, he has he has a lot to prove because he's had like two hits now already. So yeah. yeah. Do you remember that part where T'Challa's about to like go after Claw and Nakia's like, "You better watch out because they got their cameras out." So it's like he couldn't even mark him right there in the streets. Right, but because if that he, was like Captain yeah. America, Captain America would have already beat the sleeves off of him, no yeah. question. Yep. Mm-hmm. And he just fly away on the shield ex- made a vibranium. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do um, once they get past all the like you know crazy space alien shit going on in Avengers because I want to see like the racial drama and I want to see Captain America comment on something and be like, yeah, like Steve Rogers is <laughs> like so. You're my you're brother. Like, literally. <laughs> I mean, granted, Captain America was given a black sidekick in the 60s just for that reason. Be like, let's yeah. beat up, let's take care of the urban streets, Falcon. That's why Falcon <laughs> is there. Yeah. Captain America was me before I was born. <laughs> Falcon was the first black best friend before the concept of the black best friend ever became a thing. The Hey Arnold and Gerald of the Oh 60s. my God! Yes. Yeah. Shout out to Gerald, the probably the best black best friend in any cartoon. Yeah. Like, Erwin from Billy and Mandy doesn't even compare. Or the black dude from the Magic School Bus doesn't compare. I can't breathe. <laughs> now, do you guys remember... Freeman, yeah. Do you remember the BK kids? The you... Burger King kids? Yes. Do you <laughs> well, remember... I feel like vaguely, but I didn't go to Burger King that often to know about their characters. I think I knew about the Sonic kids more. Who the fuck are the BK kids? <laughs> just, just Google them if you can, if you're on your phone or something. Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. The BK kids what? sounds like some Bebe's kids type of shenanigans. What? With a Z, excuse me. BK yeah. kids, wow, you knew they were urban. Oh. They have a really diverse crew, and it makes me happy because it was the '90s, yeah, but or they, maybe the early 2000s, I guess. But like, the, they looked like the same squad of kids from every single show. <laughs> yeah, like, the kid, black black man with a high top looked like the dude from Recess, literally. I think his Dead. name's Jaws. Dead Jaws. Ass. Jaws. Ling. Oh. Oh. B- Boomer. Kidvid. <gasps> IQ. I remember these kids. Wheels. Oh, he's a, he's disabled though. That's good representation for then. Yeah. Snaps. Is he? What's he? Is he Latino? I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? I see what they were trying to do. So like, you know, that's progressive. There's two girls at least. So Meanwhile, McDonald's has a purple chicken nugget <laughs> walking around. So like, this is pretty good. <laughs> Oh my, ooh, we well. should do a, an episode entirely. We should do another episode of Kill Your Babies, but they're just about black best friends. And ooh, cartoon that sounds and good. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Um, That's a good idea. 
I'm glad that we've had this platform to talk about this because wow, you know. I feel good. I feel my story's out there. <laughs> um, I'm surprised. You have I more things to talk about. I mean, I have like that one experience. I've had several racist experiences that have happened in Indiana, but I think that one hurt the most because it was like yeah. I worked in that program for years and was like top in my. I was top player, super talented. Put all of my time into it just to be left as like I'm this black kid who plays and saxophone. I mean, were those kids people you thought were your friends? Oh well, no, it was their fucking section leader. So they could have, I don't give a shit about them. They were fucking dumb freshmen. And yeah. to make it worse, it was a mixed little kid. It was a mixed kid and this white kid. And I was like, you. Again, uh, see self hatred in the dictionary. Yeah, I was surprised when you actually told me that, like, even within your own family, there would be, like, a divide of, like, light skin and versus dark oh, skin. Oh, yeah. I mean, we oh, already talked about yeah. yeah. out already, but, like, it's just crazy to me. It is bad. It, it is bad. Me. I don't get it. Like, I've. My, f- just my family in general, just the differences that, uh, about them talking about people that are dark skinned because a lot of my family is like lighter skinned. It is insane and it makes my stomach hurt that people I love feel that way about also brown people just because they're darker. Yeah. And do we not know that melanin don't matter? If you a nigga, you a nigga. Like, we really on that level? All right. <laughs> I don't know, like, it's different in my family because my mom is the only, like, light, light skin, and so... And she's probably been made fun of for that. Like, kids in high school, because she hung with a bunch of, like, the darker-skinned black folks would make fun of her and make her feel like shit because she's like, well, you always get everything because you're just a pretty little light skin. And I thought, since my mom went to the same middle school as Kamora Lee Simmons, that they could relate, but no, Kamora just went off and became a model. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Okay, Kamora Lee Simmons. I will never let her live that down that she went to school with Kamora Lee Simmons. Baby fat. <laughs> Baby fat. But no, like, she would get made fun of by the light-skinned kids, but the white girls would still be like, mm, you're still black. Yeah. Wow. It's wild. But, anyways, you know, um, maybe wh- we can, <laughs> maybe we can just have, like, uh, we've already had our black renaissance, especially with TV, maybe in more movies now we'll see more darker-skinned women. Can we put, like, Kelly Rowland in a movie? Like, her and Gabrielle Union just being, like, chocolate drops sounds great. I mean, I'm just saying that Beale Street Could Talk is about to be the dark-skinned movie of the century. Also, I'm ready to watch it. Also, Widows with Viola Davis, <gasps> Brian Tyree Henry, and Daniel <gasps> Kaluuya. Oh, yes. So, like, we're getting there. Yes, Cynthia um, Irvio, she's about to be in a Harriet Tubman movie. Like, oh, wow. It's coming. Yeah. So, anyway. What's this you have pulled up? I just wanted to end this episode on a positive note and wish uh, Miss Ruby Bridges a happy birthday. She um, just turned 64. She's only 64? She was the first African-American child to go to an all-white school in Louisiana in the 60s. I did a book report on her in the fifth grade, I believe, because... There's a like a TV movie they made like called the Ruby Bridges story that I don't I think it was in the 90s but I just somehow watched it like in the early 80s and I think there was a a book that I read called like Through Her Eyes I believe I might be wrong and it was about her and I think people think this is so separated from now but I'm like she's literally 64 years old like exactly. that's the same age as my dad like I don't ever think about my parents being alive during segregation but they are my parents were my 
aunts and uncles some went to the all black school and then eventually it changed my grandma talked about how she went to the black high school because in like new albany there was a black high school it's called scribner high school before you know they changed everything and it's just like people in my life saw it all and it's like they have seen the past protests alive during it saw it then and how it's just here now and that's why i think black Klansman's a good movie to see because it talks about that then and it shows the side by side now and yeah. eventually i hope we can get to where there's not a, a third round of this and it can just be fucking done have you seen that yet, Taylor? Yes. It's okay, so... I'm going to go see it on Tuesday, and then we can do an episode. Oh, my right. God. He's it's not too late. so good. It's so good. Yeah. Adam Driver is... is okay. Wait, Adam Watson... Driver's in it? Yes. yes. Oh, my God. I don't think Stan. I... I didn't know you didn't know. <laughs> Adam Driver, like, honestly... And he's Jewish. Yes. Listen, homeboy, uh, Denzel Washington's son, great job. But Adam oh, yeah. Driver was the underrated performance. I was like, this dude sells it. He's great. He's a like, great actor. Like all the white people besides him made me super angry. Yo, so I mean, I guess it's just good, good acting. <laughs> like cool. Topher Tof- Grace also made me angry, and I was like, Topher "Fuck Grace? you!" What? I he, love him so much. Is he one of the? He's the David racists? Duke. Oh God! No. <laughs> and he does so good. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm stoked. Are we ending it with our new, um, uh, our new ending with our, our Yeet of the Week and our Bromie of the Week? Drummy? Yes. Yes, but just quickly, right before we get to that, I wanted to tell my fellow white people and people who are allies, we need to step up. Like, this time is really important. Obviously, politics are crazy right now in America, and our world has always been crazy. But it's really important when a white person or a privileged person takes their privilege and and puts it on the line for other people. And I just want to encourage people to start doing that more. But uh, yes, let's, let's do this uh, <laughs> this segment. Our Yeet of the Week goes to the two white men in hip-hop who really shouldn't <laughs> be in hip-hop. Eminem and Machine Gun Kelly have the white man whitest of beef of all time. White beef ain't just chicken that's unseasoned, <laughs> technically. White who fucking beef. allowed these unseasoned poultries to ever <laughs> spit bars against each other? I haven't even listened to either songs, and I'm visibly angry. I know, I'm like, I don't need to hear it to know. Like, I just know when it's not, uh, nope, don't need it. G-Eazy gets a bad rep, but Machine Gun Kelly can catch these hands on fucking sight. (laughs) Like, G-Eazy is with Halsey. Leave Gerald alone. Yeah, leave Gerald and Halsey, leave Gerald and Ashley Frangapie alone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just, I'm like, why would, why do we care about Machine Gun Kelly? Because he has a daughter that's uh, biracial and he said black quote black girls give the best head and that's all he probably thinks of black women so he don't get a pass bye also Eminem you've always been angry you literally make music for dudes (laughs) who punch holes in walls that's all your music is is that angsty white kid who listens to your fucking rap group with all the Detroit rappers and they just punch holes in walls Kid Rock also (laughs) yeah so that's our geat of the week and These then, are way too many napkins. <laughs> um, Shout out to Chris Delia for that yes. video. It's amazing. Bye. But also to end it on a, a more somber note, our dromey of the week is um, Mac Miller, RIP. Probably yes. one of yes. the best rappers of the 2010s in that sort of oh, yeah, category. For sure. Like, I, like, he was a SoundCloud rapper before the term SoundCloud rapper and you knew what it meant. Like, he just yeah. was there 
self-promoting like him chance uh people like that i feel like Donald kendrick Wiz. Yeah. yeah yeah j cole sure. like mm-hmm. mac i knew mac was an important figure in hip-hop around that time and i didn't listen to his music but i knew that he was important to like and respectable right yeah. he was important in like all the white kids who wanted to get into hip-hop it's best that you listen to mac miller than anyone else because he uh, he's gets also it. jewish so technically a minority yeah so he gets it and his and music was really piano. good he, yeah he was just all around a solid musician and yeah. I really respected him. I liked his last two albums a, a whole lot. Uh, the Divine Feminine was amazing. Yes. And Swimming, I've just now started listening to, but I do really like it. Um, there's a lot of really good stuff on that one. My heart hurts. I yeah. loved him a lot. He's and... just, it just hurts. Yeah. Like, and people don't talk about, like, oh, I knew about him before Ariana Grande. It doesn't matter who you knew about before. Like, they're both artists. They were both people. It doesn't matter who was more popular. Literally, who fucking cares? Like, they helped each other in their careers, but they both would have been huge without each other. Like, it yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> so, RIP to the homie Mac Miller. You will always be missed. Music will live on forever. You're our first official dromy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that about wraps it up. If you'd like yeah. to follow us on our social medias, um, mine is at underscore Taylor Moore on Twitter. And no, double underscore Taylor Moore on Twitter. <laughs> and single underscore Taylor Moore on Instagram. Where well, can they the find whole, you guys? Well, the whole ass podcast got an Instagram, first of all. Uh, it's at Drill Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry if I've weirdly followed you on uh, your social media on the on the Instagram, but you know we just trying to trying to get our foot out there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, double taps all around. Uh, if you have a uh, platform you listen to us on, uh, especially like iTunes or Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars. Subscribe. Tell people. Email us at deliciouslyrighton at gmail dot com. Um, we want to hear what you got to say about us. Leave a comment, positive. Tell ho- us about your being in Black Black in America story, or Ooh, yes. your ally story, or if you've seen some uh, slick shit yeah. or anything else. We just want to reach out and uh, communicate. What's the tea, sis? <laughs> you can find me at Dyke underscore Alexander on Twitter, and like Angie said, go follow our Instagram. Oh, um trash brownie right here you know where to find me in the you, trash you know brownie. what it is <laughs> and that's about wraps it from here join us again next time for another <laughs> deliciously right on podcast Bye. and Bye. stop <laughs> that was a good episode
names? My name's Emily and I love black men so much. So <laughs> African kings. <laughs>